Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am your co-host, John O'Brien, from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from the Quandle Studio right here in central Pennsylvania. Life is good here in central PA, and it's it's even better when I'm joined by my fellow co-host, uh, podcast partner, Chris Martin. Chris, thanks for making today brighter, brother. It's great seeing you. John, I have to tell you, man, every time we do this, you just make me feel so much better. So I, I thank you for being a great co-host and a, and a good friend. So thank you. Look at all that love we have. Man. That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Chris Martin, and I am with Atlas Marketing. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. We tell stories for people who build things. And you can check out our story at atlasstories.com. And uh, so, John, I'm going to kick it back to you. What what story are we telling today? So, so you're in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. And we both, I think, are in agreement. Pittsburgh's a pretty cool city. Pretty awesome. Well, I I like it. Yeah, I you live there. Friends, the rivers, you name it. You know, my family's from there. Your your family's living there now. Uh, let's talk about the transformation and and how, where we are today with Pittsburgh. And uh, we have an awesome guest to kind of uh, lead the discussion and kind of talk about where Pittsburgh is, where we were. You know, the the dark dungy ages. But now we're in this beautiful city. And then not only that, we're going to talk about where we're going in the future here, which is the best part, right? It is. The future is bright. It's greener, yeah. greener on the road here. So, yeah. But yeah, our, our guest is uh, Nick Deolius, the president and CEO of CNX. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, John and Chris, I'm excited to be here. So, uh, thanks for inviting me. We're real happy to have you, Nick, and it's uh, it's great to have a chance to talk about some things that are pushing the, not only the region forward, but knowing that you know CNX has been around and, and a big part of that for a long time from an energy perspective and the like. So tell us a little bit about you. I know we talked a little bit, you know, our kids go to the same school, which is kind of nice, small world. Uh, but t- tell us a little bit about you and, and your background and how you got to be where you are right now. It's funny listening to the two of you sort of summarize the lineage, the history of Pittsburgh, because that's basically my story. I'm from Western Pennsylvania, grew up in the city uh, earlier in life and uh, basically lived some time in the suburbs. But I did this uh, probably about two years ago. I, I got to thinking, I said, boy, if, if you would just lay out the different places I've lived and I put them on a map, I've never really moved within a four mile radius for my entire life outside of four years of Penn State. So, you know, I've done that obviously by choice. And that sort of history that you lined out about Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania, where it was, you know, where it's at, where it's going, sort of tracks my career, uh, the company I work for, CNX Resources, and, and basically my life. My family, you know, came from Italy to the United States, like most uh, immigrants at the time, whether it was from Italy or, or elsewhere in Europe, you went where the opportunities were and it, you know, where you could just basically put your work ethic and your name to work um, and make something of yourself and, and provide for your family. So off to Pittsburgh, uh, we arrived and for a couple generations, you know, my grandparents, uh, my dad uh, basically worked in mills and, and mines and on the railroads. And I was the first to go to college in my family. Didn't know much about college, like chemistry, like math, tried chemical engineering, had no idea what a chemical engineer was or what it, what a chemical engineer did. And somehow managed to sort of, you know, get through that program from, you know, just a, a luck perspective. Ended up you know, looking for opportunities in the region. I wanted to desperately stay within the Pittsburgh area, within Western Pennsylvania, 
for the uh, the family reasons and and just the, my love of it. There was an opportunity at the time for a coal company. It was Consolidation Coal at the time. And that morphed into Consol Energy, which morphed into CNX Resources. And it went from a coal company into a coal and coal bed methane entity through innovation and technology. And coal bed methane, of course, got us into the natural gas business. And here we are today in 2022, a pure play Appalachian natural gas and midstream pipeline company. So, you know, my history sort of mirrors what's happened to the region and to Pennsylvania and to Appalachia overall, which is this story of this continued innovation where you had manufacturing, you had energy as sort of the foundation uh, that drove the middle class and drove the region, built not just the nation, but the world, went through some really tough times. You know, when I was growing up as a kid in, in the 70s and uh, early 80s, when we sort of lost our edge with respect to those industries. And then through good old ingenuity and American innovation, right, and trial and error and putting capital at risk and doers that you had in construction and in the building trades and everything else, here comes the shale revolution. Yep. And that natural gas shale revolution just completely revitalized Western Pennsylvania and the Pittsburgh area, which to me, you know, single biggest driver catalyst, we like to call natural gas a catalyst fuel uh, that just catalyzed the region to sort of its its new chapter. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what better way to bring people to the region than through the airport? And there's a lot of good stuff going on with the airport. You got a great partnership, CNX and the Pittsburgh International Air Airport has developed a great relationship. You maybe want to touch on that and let us know what's going on there. Sure. And, and you're right. Another perfect parallel, I think, where you know, remembering back when I just started traveling as a young professional, uh, right before they built the uh, the current airport, and seeing how that just, you know, reset things. But then, once again, looking at uh, economic growth, economic activity went through some some tough realities and and whatnot with uh, where it was a hub, and then sort of lost its hub status uh, within an airline network. So, trying to figure out, you know, from an airport perspective as a regional asset, what's next? What's the future? for this this facility and this asset that's got awesome potential but you know looking at the realities that uh, that are facing it with respect to to what its purpose was and again through innovation through that evolution um, we were able uh, a number of years ago to with in conjunction with what we were doing with natural gas development and marcellus shale uh, basically enter into a lease agreement where the natural gas rights underneath the airport property uh, we were basically drilling and developing those um, is a natural gas entity paying royalties to the airport. And that was going uh, great for a significant period of time for a number of years where the royalty income was helping in large part, I think, to, to fund and to, to jumpstart the construction of the new airport uh, terminal and facility, which is well underway. But then, you know, thinking through yet another chapter, what's next and how can we continue to partner together uh, to take things to a step change, better place? And that's where we started to think through a lot of technology innovation that we had been developing in-house uh, at CNX that we felt uh, would really create some significant substantial opportunities um, to get into uh, downstream markets or vertically integrate into markets for natural gas. And, and specifically here, you know, thinking about um, ground transportation, energy fueling, uh, replacing diesel, replacing gasoline, and aviation finding ways to replace uh, traditional uh, jet fuel and doing both of those in a way where you're reducing the carbon footprint of transportation, um, you're reducing the cost. So if you look at the cost of 
natural gas on a dollar per million BTU basis versus the cost of diesel or the cost of gasoline or the cost of jet fuel, it's in some instances, you know, it's, it's, it's orders of magnitude different in pricing. So there's a huge price gap there to take advantage of and making it more efficient. So you basically get the best of all worlds there and using the technology that we've developed, which basically is finding ways to very efficiently transform the state of natural gas from gaseous methane into compressed or into liquefied CNG or LNG and doing it on a pad well by well basis instead of having to, to capitalize very large facilities like you see um, with LNG facilities on the coast and down on the Gulf Coast. But applying that type of technology to demonstrate it first at the airport and then start to develop those downstream, those vertical markets to really start to transform different now sectors, but related sectors of our, of our economy. So it's exciting. Can't wait to see what the, the future holds there. A lot of this is also tied um, not just to the Marcellus, but to the Utica shales uh, that we are looking at increasingly as not just the next best thing, but in some ways just as good, if not better, than the Marcellus shale. And the Utica shale is just a couple thousand feet below the Marcellus shale. So that uh, sort of the, the metrics tied to the Utica, which is pressure characteristics will will make these types of technologies really apply themselves in a, in a very efficient way. But I can't wait to see what the future holds with, with something like the airport partnership with respect to Western PA and with respect to sort of how manufacturing, construction, and energy all come together to create some, some pretty stellar opportunities that you see once in a generation. Nick, how long has CNX been working on this technology? Because this is, I mean, this isn't something you just kind of like, I dream of genie, bat your head and boom, you've got this. I mean, how long have you guys been working on this? We tried the I Dream of Genie approach. It didn't work, Chris. So like that, <laughs> that would have been the preferred route, but unfortunately, that doesn't work that way. I tried right? it so, every day, and it doesn't work. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's very consistent with the history of the company. the The company's been around now for almost 160 years. When when we were first incorporated, Abraham Lincoln was in office. So that yeah. that just sort of puts it in perspective how long the company and its predecessor companies have been around in, in these parts. But it's got a history, the company does, of innovation. So I mentioned that that sort of transition from a coal company to coal and coal bed methane and then into natural gas. A lot of that was the company pioneering at the time ways to safely degasify coal seams before the mining entity came through and, and accessed and, and mined the coal reserve because methane was the enemy of the coal miner. It was an explosion hazard. And when we pioneered those ways of basically fracking the coal seams to liberate the methane, we quickly sort of thought through this and said, instead of venting this to the atmosphere, maybe we should be collecting this methane that we're liberating from the coal seam. And instead of one saleable product of coal, we'll have two. We'll have coal and we'll have natural gas. That was the start of us getting into the natural gas business. So this and then along comes the shale revolution around 2005, 2007, where the industry, right, along with ourselves, we're innovating further with horizontal drilling, uh, with completion technology. So our history of innovation and tinkering and tweaking things and this continuous improvement drive, it's something that's within the company's DNA. And if you look at the technologies that we've developed that we want to apply at the airport, they're not, you know, terribly complicated technologies per se. You look at them, they're almost like most sort of advancements in technology, you look at it after the fact and you say, well, that was pretty obvious in terms of what we're doing here, but what it's looking to do. Remember is, who you're talking to, Nick. Yes. I mean, <laughs> th those aren't too obvious for me, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think, I think, Chris, I think you take a look at it and say, yeah, that, that sort of makes sense. But the concept is simple. It's, it's basically looking at something like a Utica shale well and recognizing that, that natural gas is being produced, it's significant pressures and finding ways to harness that pressure 
Because typically when you're going to, to produce from a natural gas well, a Marcellus or a Utica well, you basically bleed down the pressure to get at the pipeline pressure to send it off to market. But instead of wasting that potential energy of the pressure, harnessing it in a way we're using it to, to compress the methane into CNG or to liquefy the methane into LNG. And being able to do that on a well-by-well -well basis or on a pad-by-pad -pad basis, and on top of it is literally right next to where you've got some vertical market opportunities like aviation, like ground transportation fleets and whatnot. That's just an awesome fit uh, logistically and from a supply chain perspective. And in 2022, right in 2020, 2019 supply chain, what's the problem with supply chain? The longer, the better, right? No worries. Now, no worries. Yeah. Supply chain matters now. And, and onshoring this type of an activity, the better yet, you know, having it all within one energy manufacturing ecosystem, like an airport site, or like similar opportunities in say Western Virginia, extreme Western part of the state of Virginia, or in the Ohio River Valley. You know, those are the types of energy manufacturing ecosystems where you can do everything from manufacturing equipment to extract a natural gas, extracting a natural gas there, and then reconstituting it into a CNG or an LNG, and then utilizing it as CNG or LNG all right there. And what's interesting about PA, and Western PA and Northern Appalachia, one day's drive within what over half of the population center of uh, of the United States. So again, logistically, from a supply chain perspective, an integration of technology perspective, just makes a lot of sense. So let, let me ask you this then, kind of getting back to the beginning of what we had talked about. You explained where we are now. What does all of this mean for for the future? What I mean, having the airport as a hub, and when I say hub, I don't mean airlines and, and the like, but more of a, a business hub almost, what, what CMX is doing, what, what does that mean for the future of Western PA, Ohio, West Virginia, even Maryland? Well, there, there's different layers. To, that's an awesome question. And there's different layers to think about the answer to that question. I'll start with, we are often guilty in Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania, and I know it's not a, a something unique to us, but you, you tend to look at the leadership of regions or cities tend to look at what is successful elsewhere, and then they want to be that. So Silicon Valley or Boston or New York, we're going to be the next whatever, Austin, Texas, the next Boston, the next San Francisco. But those entities, those areas, those regions have strengths that are unique to them. We have strengths that are unique to us. And my view has always been one of, instead of trying to copy what others have been successful at because of some inherent advantages they hold and maybe not advantages that we we enjoy, we should play to our strengths. And what are our strengths? Well, our strengths are work ethic. Our strengths are skill sets in construction, in the trades, in manufacturing, in energy. And our strengths are some reserves and resources that we're blessed with. You couple all that with the transportation infrastructure where Western PA sits this sort of informs where the future and where our attention should be, be focused upon. The next sort of layer to this is there's this, um, there's this great need, I think, for some transparency when it comes to things like carbon accounting. So everybody wants to decarbonize, right, economies and activities. Everybody's, you know, working towards a, a lower CO2 footprint. Those things are great, but you need to do an honest accounting of those things on the true life cycle carbon intensities of these different options, whether it's in an energy portfolio or how you're going about manufacturing or how you're building a building. And all too often, when we look at different alternatives, we're, we're not doing a true life cycle analysis. And if you start to do 
a cradle-to-grave life cycle analysis of the carbon intensity of different forms of energy or different ways to power transportation, what you will quickly come away with is it doing something along the lines of natural gas that's developed and, ex and extracted in, say, a Western Pennsylvania region, and then using these types of technologies to efficiently, right, to elegantly convert it into CNG and LNG to then displace higher carbon intensive, more costly, longer supply chain, foreign sourced portfolios of energy, whether it's windmills that are mined and processed offshore in solar panels, or whether it's oil that's, you know, drilled and, and, and refined offshore as well. That has a much, you know, our way domestically within this region using these technologies and these resources and our, and our, our work ethic will have a much lower carbon footprint than these other alternatives. Plus, you know, it improves national security. It improves geopolitical security. You know, somebody like a Putin doesn't have the leverage that they're going to enjoy. Something like OPEC won't enjoy the cartel power that it's enjoyed for, for decades. Uh, someone like China won't suddenly take what we currently experienced in the 70s and 80s with oil and OPEC and now transform that into the same type of dependency on them when it comes to the minerals and materials needed for solar panels and windmills. All kinds of benefits tied to that. And then the third sort of layer to this answer, uh, Chris, is, is just thinking through, again, a lot of attention, and I, and I get it, is within our industry paid to finding ways to grow the existing markets for natural gas. And that usually comes down to exporting natural gas through LNG to Europe, to Japan, to India, globally, that type of thing. And, and I understand that, and that, that's obviously a, a great opportunity. But I think maybe a more informed way to grow the demand for natural gas may be to find ways to vertically integrate into new markets instead of exporting it you know, to, to other places around the world with all the, the challenges and risks tied to it. So to me, you know, the future of natural gas and the future of the airport and the future of Western Pennsylvania may not be finding ways necessarily to get natural gas manufacturers and sent to Europe, uh, or to India or to Japan, but it might be finding ways to use our inherent strengths to basically develop new downstream markets, vertical markets into current um, sort of demand centers that that we've got a better answer to, we've got a better fix for. The benefits are off off the charts, you know. <laughs> Do they just jump off the table? I'm jotting notes down here, and it's just amazing what's going on here. Um, you got this awesome benefits coming, you know, and uh, you know the great partnership with with the airport, which is which is amazing, really cool. But then you also have the as you mentioned the trades people. You have that great relationship with the trades people, and through KCA and our partnership with the Master Builders Association in Harrisburg, always talk about with the Marcellus Shale Coalition. We talk about you know the benefits of this industry and and the constant feedback we get from. Others, especially like Southern companies, is the work ethic is is off the charts. You know the attention to detail and the safety record, and they're just blown away by our by our workforce here. And you know I can talk about it a couple half a state away or whatever, but you see it day to day during the operations, and and we have a lot of listeners, you know, from the trades. So I don't know if you have a comment or two about your partnership with the trades and the way they've been able to to be a true partner with you during this during this journey. Look, I've just got a, an inherent bias towards you know, the, the building trades and the construction industry and the manufacturing engine. I call them the doers, right? These are the entities that, that basically create the quality of life that everybody, not just within our region or nation, but frankly, globally enjoy. 
So a better appreciation and different ways to support the building trades to me will always be front and center. It's sort of been a constant through my, my career. But yeah, I do think there are you know, a number of uh, inherent opportunities when it comes to the trades, Pennsylvania, and, and some of these energy manufacturing construction opportunities we've been talking about. Um, one of them, I look at the trades often, first and foremost, is an accreditation. Okay, it's no different than going to medical school if you're a doctor, going to law school, taking the bar exam if you want to be an attorney, right? Going to college to be an engineer and then taking a professional engineer's exam. The building trades, they manufacture expertise. That, that's what I, I, I think of them first and foremost as. And if you start thinking about these opportunities we've been discussing so far today, they're going to require all kinds of different jobs and skill sets and professions to make the equipment, to extract the resource, to convert it into these different forms, and then to track down, run down these vertical market opportunities that we talked about in these different types of transportation sectors and manufacturing sectors. And when I think of the building trades, that's the pipeline of development, pun intended, right? That's the pipeline of development. It will basically take an individual, and we've been working with the trades in our, our mentorship academy with this too, for uh, taking an individual, say, who's a junior or senior in high school, laying out a career path for that individual who may not want to go to college right out of high school. And that's fine. That, in fact, is more than fine. Today, that's looking more and more to be a rational decision, right, versus going to college and taking on all this debt and maybe not having a job at the back end of it that that justifies the uh, the tuition debt. But lay out these career paths and these these professional opportunities, get them to see what those jobs are like across these different trades and different manufacturing sectors. What does the individual prefer once they've seen sort of a portfolio of these? Getting them into an apprenticeship program, right? And I know each trade obviously has their own well-defined practice, but then linking that up with what's occurring in these industries of manufacturing and energy. And just speaking frankly with you guys, one of the shortcomings and disappointments from my perspective, uh, being in the energy industry now for over 30 years and, and being from Western Pennsylvania, is that when the shale revolution first came about in that 05 to 08 timeframe, um, a lot of the innovation was done in areas in Appalachia, but a lot of it was coming from areas outside of Appalachia, from Texas, from different basins across the United States. And there was this push when the Marcellus was first coming about to, to utilize a lot of the workforce from out of state, from Oklahoma, from Texas, from Colorado, et cetera. And the argument at the time, I think, was it had some validity, which was this is a very specialized skill set in this industry. And those skill sets don't sit historically within Western Pennsylvania, at least it hasn't recently. We've lost a few generations there. We need to import that for the time being. So I got it, understood it, and, and saw the need for it. But in my mind, the deal was always going to be over the longer term, we were going to methodically start developing our training programs, our accreditation programs, our apprenticeship programs, primarily through entities like the trades and the community colleges, right? to start minting and manufacturing our organic homegrown workforce and professions and careers. And the industry has been somewhat reticent to do that. I, I, and that's disappointing to me. So you know, one of the things we've always wanted to do at CNX, and I've always wanted to do personally, was to sort of be that lightning rod to insist that moving forward when it comes to partnering with the trades and when it comes to looking at our young adult workforce exiting high school, they don't want to go to college initially, at least right out of high school, 
and particularly paying attention to urban and, and rural school, school districts uh, in that regard. So we're going to basically use our, call it power of the purse when we're investing our capital, hiring our workforce to specifically target those types of opportunities to get this, this type of thing jump started. And I think the airport and these other types of ventures we're involved in are perfect opportunities, right, to catalyze that type of a dynamic moving forward. So it's been something, again, just looking back in history, I've been sort of disappointed in. It's been maybe one of the biggest disappointments um, over the past uh, 10 or 15 years in the industry that I've seen uh, from, from my perspective. But I see this, this big, massive opportunity right on top of us now where all that disappointment can be immediately converted into a lot of excitement because this is the chance to really you know, get that over the hump. Exciting times. Definitely. It is. It is. Well, hey, Nick, you have given us a lot of fantastic, solid information about not only you know gas exploration, LNG, CNG, natural gas, and where the future is going. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Building PA podcast. And, and he's also given us kind of the old Pittsburgh way of life. You mentioned that you lived, besides college, within four miles, and then within four miles of each other. My grandmother, who lived to 90, lived within four blocks in Lawrenceville, right around 44th and Butler. So the whole time you were talking, I was thinking back to, to Grandma Mary. So <laughs> She'd be shocked awesome. at what real estate has done in Lawrenceville. Oh now, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, in true Pittsburgh fashion, I mean, Chris will know this and John, you know this too, right? I've, I've lived sort of within a four mile radius, but always on one side of the river. So you don't cross rivers in Pittsburgh. You avoid that at all, at all costs. Uh, it's amazing when people come in and they're like, what do you mean you can't cross the bridge you can't go over there like it's right there you know but it's it is a it is a truism of pittsburgh i guess but nick thank you so much for joining us sir i'm going to put words in john's mouth and i know we're going to ask you to come back on especially as the airport continues to to get to the point of being fully uh, functioning self-sustaining self-sustaining yeah so thank you, John. As always, you got my back. I appreciate that. I, I pinch um, it up once in a while, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a team effort here, right? Yes, it um, is. Nick, thank you so much, and and I I really appreciate it. It's great to have the opportunity to talk with you, and uh, can't wait for the next time. I appreciate it, guys. And uh, advocacy is an important part of what we do. So you know, follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, if you get a chance, and speak up on behalf of our great industries. Absolutely. Well said. Thanks. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.